The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Welcome to the Tabernacle. My name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we're continuing with our spirit series here at the Tabernacle. And just judging by the amounts of emails and conversation and text messages and questions about that have, have come up, that have been asked of us here as a staff, and that we've heard have been going on in small groups, this was a much-needed series here in the life of the Tabernacle. There's been a lot of questions, there's been a lot of misconceptions about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. And those questions, we find the best way to answer those is simply to open God's Word and see what it says. We believe that Scripture is inerrant and that we can just simply open it up and if we read it plainly and we let the plain thing be the main thing, that God has answers for us. So we've been walking through this Spirit series and we've introduced this third member of the Trinity, this third person of the Trinity that many of us really don't spend any time focusing on. We talk about God the Father, we talk about Jesus Christ the Son, but this person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is the one that often we, we don't really give any, brain, any bandwidth to. We don't give any brain power or thought to the Holy Spirit. And so as we've been walking through the Spirit, or the Spirit series, we've learned that the, that the Holy Spirit was prophesied by Jesus, that he promised that the Spirit would come. And then we've also learned of how we receive the Holy Spirit, that when we become believers in Jesus Christ, that we receive the Holy Spirit in that moment. We spent some time looking at what the Holy Spirit does, that the Spirit produces fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. We're going to keep talking about that because that's a good barometer for us to measure our, measure our lives and our walk with the Holy Spirit. And then last week we talked about this concept of spiritual gifts that the Spirit promises that we, each individual one of us, receive at least one spiritual gift that is to be used for the building up of the kingdom. Well, today we're going to be getting down into really the nuts and bolts of our personal interaction with the Holy Spirit as we're going to look at a very familiar passage that we've actually already covered in the Spirit series. We're going to look at that, and we're going to be looking at what our role is in how we interact with the Holy Spirit. This is the nuts and bolts. This is going to really cover our daily grind 
of walking the Christian life. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. If you've got a Bible, feel free to open it up, follow along. If you've got a device, you can follow along on that. If not, we'll have the words on the screen. We're going to be reading from the ESV, and this is a passage, again, that we've covered before. Very familiar passage to many of us that have been around church a while. But there's some clues in here that are going to give us some guidance on what our role is as we walk with the Holy Spirit, as we move with the Holy Spirit, as we try to live this Christian life. So I'm going to pick right up. We're going to pick right up in verse 16. Paul writes this, inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul writes to the church in Galatia and to us. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So right there, we've covered those two big laundry lists of kind of the, the barometer that we can use for distinguishing between the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. We've got that long list of the, the, the things that really, at our worst, we're going to long to do, if we're really brutally honest. Now, maybe you don't want to admit that in public, but there's some stuff in there that, yeah, we... If we're left to our human desires and take God out of the picture, we're going to be envious, we're going to be jealous, there's fits of anger that happen. And then the contrast, Paul's showing us, no, this in contrast to that, actually completely opposite of that, are the fruit of the Spirit, which we covered a couple weeks ago. That's what the Spirit does. Now, we have a role to play in all of this. And it's more, I think... When we look at this, it's more than just going, I'm not going to do the bad things, I'm just going to try to do the good things. It's more than that. See, Paul starts right out by saying, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And if we just take just that phrase right there, we could probably, we could probably preach for a month on that. Walking by the Spirit. We see, first of all, that walking is a verb, it's an action. That means it's going to require movement. It also seems to, it seems to imply that, we need to be, that we're going to be led. And if we're walking by the Spirit, as we've talked about a couple of weeks ago, that means that we're going to be led to be in obedience to the Spirit. That we're going to do our best to follow the Spirit. That we're going to yield control of our lives to what God says. That we're going to give control of our lives to the Holy Spirit. That's, that's given, given us a clue of what walking by the Spirit is going to look like. 
There's also, if we're moving, there's a certain amount of power that's required. And a little bit of it is going to be our own power to move. It's going to require some energy. Now, the beautiful part of this is that we know that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is a spirit of power. And when we receive that Holy Spirit, we now have that power living within us. That's where those spiritual gifts come from. So we're not no longer relying on just our power, but we've got the Spirit of God that's helping empower us on this walk. And then at the close there, Paul reiterates again. He gives us, he, he breaks down the, the contrast in these two lists, but then he tells us again, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So we're to walk by the Spirit, and we are to keep in step with the Spirit. Now, we could look at that a couple different ways. Keeping in step with somebody. We could look at an orchestra. As the conductor is conducting the music, all those instruments are following along. We could look at it like a marching band, going down through a parade route where you're fixated on whoever's in front of you, and you're in lockstep with that person. In any of those different scenarios... Someone else is controlling the tempo. Someone else is controlling the pace. Someone else is controlling the rhythm. And we are taking a role of, of following along. We're taking the role of a follower. So when we say that we're going to keep in step with the Spirit, that means that we're looking at the Spirit's rhythms, the Spirit's pace, His timing. We're following the Spirit's lead. Really... We're making sure the Spirit is in front and in control. So we could look at this even in the form of being like a military march, where we're marching off to a battle, and we simply have our eyes on whoever's in front of us, and we're just doing our best to stay in line and just be one of countless faceless soldiers marching off to battle. But if we look at how God sees us, that we're adopted heirs, that we're, when we become believers, that we're sons and daughters, that we receive an inheritance, that he knows the numbers of hairs on your head, that he longs for that personal relationship with each of us, maybe a military march is not the best analogy we should use. In fact, if we look at dancing, that might be a better of analogy of what it looks like us for us to walk by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. See, if you study dancing at all, if you, if you really want to get good at dancing and you study it, uh, especially when you talk about uh, partners dancing together, there's two different roles in a dance. You've got the lead, and the lead's role is to guide the dance. It's to actually create a framework for the dance to operate within. The lead's role is really to create almost a picture frame. It's to keep his partner, his or her partner, safe from bouncing into someone else, to keep them on the dance floor. The lead's role is to look ahead and to start planning movements and to create boundaries for the partner to operate within. Now, the partner, the follow in the dance, has a different role. Their role is to actually paint a picture of beauty within that picture frame. To follow the lead. To interact off of their actions. To respond to their movements. But the, the partner 
is really the one, the follower is the one that creates the beauty in the dance. If you look at professional dancers, and if it's a male and a female, and the male is leading, and the female is the partner, she's the one that's bringing the beauty into the picture frame. Now guys, don't check out. Don't check out yet. There's something here for us to learn in how we are to interact with the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is personal. The Holy Spirit is personal. Now, unfortunately, my wife and I have never learned how to dance well. We go to a, a wedding or something like that, and we still dance like we did in middle school. My arms are here. Her arms are up here. I'm six foot. She's closer to five foot. So she's reaching. I'm slunched over trying to... And we're still bumping into each other. Try to leave room for the Holy Spirit. We're still bumping into each other, bumping into other people, stepping on each other's feet because we've never really learned how to dance well together. Now, there's other things are, that, that's not indicative of our marriage. We have a beautiful marriage. It's wonderful, um, not without its problems. But it, it, when it comes to physically dancing together, we've never taken the time to learn how to interact with each other well. Now, I have a friend who, who, who uh, he's a, more of a professional dancer, and he, he is actually one of the teachers at the, with one of the big fundraisers in Traverse City, the Dancing with the Stars fundraiser that gets put on. And he's amazing at it. He's amazing at it. And I would like to be like that someday, but the fact is, I've got some obstacles in my way. And if we're honest, if we look at what our dance with the Holy Spirit looks like, as we've been, if we've received that Spirit, and we're attempting to walk by the Spirit, and to follow, keep in step with the Spirit, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you feel like you're still in middle school trying to figure out how, not to, how to not step on your partner's feet. Maybe that's relatable for you. When in reality... The Holy Spirit wants to lead us around this cosmic dance floor and paint a beautiful picture with us. So as we're looking at this, if we go back and we look through this, and we, we have those two big lists, the do's and the don'ts, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. If we look at those and we start looking deeper into Scripture, I think we've got some clues in here that can help us learn how to interact how to keep in step with the Spirit a little bit better. See, the first thing I see here, Paul says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's in verse 18. You are not under the law. Now, this is important for us to dissect here. This is where it's important not to take one verse and pluck it out of Scripture, because we could use that as what's called licentiousness. We could use that to say, well, if I'm not under the law, I can do whatever I want. Well, Paul, in the verse right before that, sets up the whole argument that what you want to do is not necessarily keeping with the Holy Spirit. In fact, all those little, those burning desires that some of us really deep down still have in our hearts, those are actually in complete opposition to the Holy Spirit. So when we take that into context... Paul, can't, Paul cannot mean that we just can do whatever we want. Now, maybe a better way to look at this, and if we even look at what Jesus said about the fact that Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill the law. Now, if we take all of that and we put it into context, it seems to say that if we are walking by the Spirit, we are already fulfilling the law. 
Break that down further. If you have the fruit of the Spirit being evident in your life, guess what? You're already fulfilling the law. Because there, are, there is none of God's word that prohibits that. If we can even break that down, maybe a good analogy of that would be using your cell phone. If you are using your cell phone on battery power alone, that would be like operating under the law. You're just using your own power. Now what's really cool is you can plug a charger in, power it up, you're still using battery power, but you've got an additional power that's pouring in that supersedes it. And what's really cool is your phone will get up to 100% and it'll stay there no matter how much you use it because you have additional power moving in. I think that's what Paul's saying there. If we are, if we are living by the Spirit, we're already fulfilling the law. And it's not an excuse to just go do whatever we want. So what's that mean for us? Well, I think the problem that some of us have, that I know I've had in my life, that's been an obstacle to my dance with the Spirit, to my interacting with the Holy Spirit properly, is, is my ignorance. My ignorance. I don't know what God's law says. I don't know what God says about getting drunk. I don't know what God says about idolatry and what that means in my life. How that applies to my life. Because maybe some of us, we've just never had the opportunity. Maybe we're new to church and we just don't know what this says. And all this God stuff sounds really, really good. But I would encourage you, not knowing what this says can be an obstacle, it will be an obstacle in your walk with the Holy Spirit. We need to know what it says. Simply by looking up the Ten Commandments, we can find the first four commandments are going to tell us how God wants us to interact with Him. Just basic stuff. The following six are how we should interact with people. Your wife is your wife, not mine. Your stuff is your stuff. How about we not kill each other? How about we not talk bad about each other? How about I not get all bound up about what you've got good going in your life and I can just focus on being grateful for what's going good in my life? That's all stuff that's in God's Word. And there's so many tools available for us now in this day and age to help us know what this says. If if you don't have a Bible, first of all, I'd encourage you to just get a Bible. There's tons of different translations. We can help you pick out a good one. In fact, if you go out to the hub and say, I need a Bible, we'll give you one. It looks just like this, this exact same version we're reading out today. And a good place to start is just open it up and start reading, start with the Gospels. If you, don't, if you can't understand it, find somebody to help explain it to you. And right now at the church, at the tabernacle, we have access, we will give you, we have access to Right Now Media, which has got tens of thousands of different study tools to help you understand what God's Word says. You need the knowledge. We need knowledge. We need knowledge to get over that ignorance so that we can at least understand how, what this dance is going to look like as we're moving with the Holy Spirit. God God's word in Psalm 119 says, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And for me, back before I had actually read the Bible, I thought I knew what it said based on, I don't know, rumors, myths, what I read online. I was stumbling around in the dark. I didn't know, I didn't know how to do life. We're created in God's image in a way to... And he's got a plan for us. And we've got certain parameters our, our lives are going to operate well within that we can interact with him. 
And when I finally had somebody sit down and show me how to read the Bible and open it, and I realized this is just a, this is a great owner's manual for our human lives. It's a great owner's manual, but guys, sometimes you got to read the manual. Sometimes you need to read the instruction booklet. So my ignorance can be an obstacle to my walk with the Holy Spirit. Second of all, when we, we keep reading there, I mean, Paul s- spent a couple verses setting up the fact that what we desire in our heart is actually in opposition to the Holy Spirit most times. That sinful part of our heart, that sinful nature that we inherited from Adam, that's in opposition. And, and Paul spells it out. Those things that you want to do are not necessarily going to produce, they're not necessarily in keeping with the Holy Spirit. And when we do those things, when we sin, we're actually grieving the Holy Spirit. See, one of the obstacles that many of us are going to have in our dance in our walk with the Holy Spirit, is going to be our sin, my sin. It's when we actually have to physically make that choice, mentally, physically, with our actions, make the choice, I'm going to choose to think the best of this person. I'm going to choose to not hold the resentment. I'm going to choose to act in a way that's not going to cause a dissension. I'm going to choose not to be envy. I'm going to be, choose to be grateful that something good happened to that person, and I'm not going to be jealous. I'm going to choose to control my tongue. And when we do that, we are going to produce, the Spirit is going to produce that good fruit that we read about there. But that takes obedience. See, the the way to get, to overcome that obstacle of sin is simply obedience. We need to know what to do, and we physically have to do it. And it's not easy. It's not easy. If it was, we really wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't need that power. But we need to rely on that. See, when we, when we decide that we're not going to follow the Spirit, this would be similar to us, like on a dance floor. That would be like me with my wife on a dance floor, pushing her aside and deciding, I'm going to try to pull off a number that looks like I'm the, the front man of a five-piece boy band at a, at a halftime show about to have a wardrobe malfunction. And I'm just doing this, and my wife is pushed off to the side. The one, nobody knows, needs to see that anyway. But the Holy Spirit is going to be grieved in that because suddenly my personal interaction with that Holy Spirit, I've just thrown that away and said, no, you know what, I want to do my own thing. Now, if you could picture me on a dance floor with my wife, pushing her aside and doing the Adam Levine thing, showing off the tats and all that stuff, well, how would she feel? Because suddenly it just became all about me. I've got something to show everybody here. And when we do that, we're pushing the Holy Spirit aside, and guess what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to step off the dance floor. Okay, boss, you think you're so cool. You're making a jerk of yourself. I had a different word there, but you're making a jerk of yourself, and that's actually what's called grieving the Holy Spirit. You've pushed him aside. In Ephesians 4, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, who has marked you for the day of redemption. If we're going to walk by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit, we need to make sure we're staying in the dance and not doing our own thing. We keep reading here. 
And we get to that off-quoted passage, the fruits of the Spirit. Little kids learn this, and tab kids, and most of them, a lot of them can recite this, but the first one, the, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Starts right off with love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, if there's an obstacle in our lives to love, we could look at, well, what's the opposite of love? And many of us would say the opposite of love is actually hate. And I would correct you on that. Hate slash anger is actually rooted in fear. You take the angriest person you've ever met, and if you can actually get them to be honest and open up, at the root of all anger is fear. They're afraid of something. It's a fear response. Anger is a fear response. Fight or flight. So if at the if the opposite of love is really fear, when we are not producing the fruit of the Spirit, if we're not producing love in our lives, what are we afraid of? See, one of the obstacles in my life that I'm constantly having to battle, and maybe you too, is this obstacle of fear. My fear. My fear of failure. My fear of not living up to an expectation of somebody else's, another man's expectations. My fear of not living up to your expectations when I stand here on stage. That's very real. And many of us have those fears. And I know, that, I know there's anxiety and I know there's depression. And I know there's medical reasons for that, that many of us struggle with. But a lot of times, when we get right down to it, our fear is that in this dance, one, I might miss out on something. That there's another dance floor over there that looks like a lot more fun, and that dance, I don't know, she's a little hotter. I don't know. So there's fear that we might miss out on something, that God's going to be a killjoy. When really the Spirit is protecting us as we move around this dance floor, He's setting boundaries for us, trusting who God says we are. That when we believe in Him, that we've received an inheritance, that we are marked with the Holy Spirit, that we're sealed, that we're adopted, that we're heirs. It can't be undone because He spoke it, and God can't lie. Can God lie? No. But how hard is it to trust Him in those moments? And one of the biggest ones that I think a lot of us face, especially if we've grown up and we've had unhealthy coping mechanisms taught to us, or we've developed patterns of self-sabotage in our life. When it comes to that point where we finally have re realized that something has got to change, the thought of trying to create a new pattern in our life is terrifying. Because we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to do it. And we need somebody to walk with us and to show us how to do that. And the Holy Spirit saying, start here. And I will be with you. Do you trust that I'm going to be with you? And we want to. But there's still that fear that comes in, going, man, I've, I've failed before, and I'm just afraid I'm going to fail again. And I'm going to go back to that old life pattern that just doesn't work. In 2 Timothy, Paul again writes to his younger friend, his, the person he's been mentoring for years. He writes to him, reminding him, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but power, love, and self-control. Does that sound familiar? 
Sounds a lot like what we've been reading here. Love, power, self-control. When we have that spirit of fear, when we feel that anxiety, when we start to have those self-doubts, that is not of God. That is not of God. That is us. That's our flesh. That's fight or flight kicking in. And we need to, and I know it's not easy, but we need to remember and recall what God says about us and who we are. We, in fact, our next sermon series that we're going into in two weeks is called Brave. And we're going to spend a good portion of the summer just looking at that. The most oft-quoted, oft-given command in all of Scripture, do not be afraid, do not fear. We're going to break that down and we're going to try to figure out how to better apply it to our lives. How to be brave, how to be courageous. And finally, a lot of times when we, maybe we've been Christians for a while, and we forget what it was like when we first believed and we first received that Holy Spirit and we first were enlightened by God's Word and suddenly things were starting to make sense. And we've been in at it a while and suddenly we get lukewarm and we start to get lazy. And God's Word just doesn't hold as much draw and it's kind of like, I've already read that before. I don't care if you've read this Bible cover to cover every year since you've been born. There's still something new in there for us. See, what ends up happening is we get apathetic. We get lazy. My apathy can be an obstacle in my dance with the Holy Spirit because sometimes I just don't feel like getting on the dance floor. And with that, we miss out on so much. See, if we're going to walk and keep in step with the Spirit... There's a certain amount of energy that we're going to have to bring to the table. We have to physically get up. And it's going to take a certain amount of discipline. And if you take any any sort of uh, rigorous physical activity, if if you look at, if you want to learn how to dance well, guess what? It's going to require some discipline. You're going to have to go to practice a couple times a week. You're going to have to do what the instructor says. You can wish it all you want. It's not going to happen. If you want to learn jujitsu, if you want to learn how to shoot well, like a sniper, I don't care what it is. If you want to learn how to cook, students, if you want to learn how to be a doctor, it's going to take a tremendous amount of discipline. How much more so with the Holy Spirit? It's going to require us to get up and move. And the sad thing is, this apathy is what's going to prevent so many of us from really fully experiencing what God has for us, because we just won't get off the couch. And we'll never experience what it's like to go work on a Freedom Builders project. We'll never experience what it's like to go help out at the food pantry. And little four-foot Fran who's got eight foot of hugs that hugs every single person that comes in there. Because we just don't feel like it. And the Spirit's saying... I want to show you how to dance like you've never danced before. But I need you to get up. And I need you to show up every day. And maybe that means it's just opening God's word every morning, getting an app on your phone. I don't know. You know. You know where you're missing out. I bet you God's speaking to you right now. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, I'm just saying this is me too. This is me too. We preach really what cuts us deep ourselves. So what's this mean for us? 
We've got these obstacles we need to, over, we need to overcome. But we're not going to do it on our own. Really, as I look at this, really what this is saying to me is that we need to follow the Spirit's lead. We need to follow the Spirit's lead. And this is going to look a little bit different for every single one of us because guess what? The Spirit's going to teach you a dance that's unique to you. Your dance with the Holy Spirit, your movement on that dance floor is going to look different than mine. It's going to look different than John V's. It's going to look different than the person sitting next to you. But Jesus told us to follow him, to keep our eyes on him. When John met him on the beach after the resurrection, and Jesus is talking about these other guys and what's going to happen, and John says, but, or no, he's telling John about what's going to happen with him. And John asked Jesus, what about him? And Jesus said, you don't worry about him. You follow me. This is our dance. We're painting a picture, you and I. And yeah, we're going to call a brother or sister out in sin if we see that happening. But really, our dance is going to be between us and the Holy Spirit. So, which one of those obstacles is jumping out at you today? Which one are you struggling with? Which one do you need to get over? And what's the solution? What's a step you can take? I can't answer that question for you. But we're going to move to a time of communion and we're going to have some time to reflect on what our, our dance with the Holy Spirit is looking like right now. Are you keeping in step with Him? Are you following His lead? Are you yielding control to Him? Are you, or are you pushing Him aside and deciding that you're going to do your own dance move up on stage trying to show off? Again, I can't answer that for you, but you know. So... As we take communion, as we prepare our hearts for communion today, it's important for us to remember that we're not to come to communion with an unclean heart. That if we have resentments against a brother or sister, that we're to take care of that first. If we've got sin in our life, that we're to confess this. This is a great time just for us to all spend a few moments reflecting on those areas of our life that maybe, maybe could use a little work. Maybe we need a little discipline. Maybe we need some knowledge. When Jesus was last dining with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body given for you. As often as you eat of this, do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup. And he blessed it. And he gave thanks. And he said, this is my blood shed for you. As often as you eat and drink together, do this, drink this in remembrance of me. And he was doing all of this so that we could receive this, that spirit. Later on, he was risen from the dead, and that same spirit that rose him from the dead now lives in us if we call on his name. And we need to get in the dance. We need to get in the dance. So I'm going to ask us to bow our heads. I want you to reflect on your life right now. How have you been treating the Holy Spirit? Are you following His lead? It's important for us to make note that this this sacrament, this ancient tradition of communion is, is just for Christians. You don't have to be a member here. You just need to 
you need to have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, repented of your sins, and you're trusting Him that He's going to lead you in a way that's going to produce good fruit in your life. It's going to teach you a new dance pattern. If you're not a Christian and you'd like to become one, this is a great time to do that. Maybe you've been trying to do life your way for a long time. You just haven't ever read the owner's manual. You don't have to read it before you do this, but if this something, if that's a desire of your heart, if you're ready to, if you're ready to trust God, trust Jesus with eternity, far beyond these few short years that we live here on earth, if you're ready to trust Him with that, that He's going to hang on to you, that He's going to create safe boundaries for you, we invite you to do that. You can do that just by simply confessing your sins and asking Him into your heart. You're not going to surprise him. He knows the ones here right now who are doing that. He's just been waiting for you to step on the dance floor. Father, thank you for the way that you love us each individually, personally. That you want to have this personal interaction that you are willing to come down to guide us, to give, you, give us direction, to love us in ways that we can't even imagine. That you want good for us. Not our definition of good, your definition of good, which is the best. Thank you for your son Jesus, who came and died and rose again, who sent the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives, to help us. He's the great advocate, our helper, our friend. Thank you for loving us that way. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Multiple stations around here. Not everybody at once. Spend some time in reflection, but go ahead and come take communion when you're ready. God bless.